is the 77 WABC minicast. With us today is uh, Steve Cates, otherwise known as Dr. Sky, a good friend, uh, well, an astronomer, a, uh, a looks through the heavens and gives us what the, what's going on in the mysteries of the week. Uh, Steve Cates, what the heck is going on out there? Well, good morning, John, and good to be back on the Cats Roundtable here. Happy holidays as we move into the month of December. Amazing how fast things happen. A couple of stories, too, here, John. we got two news stories and, of course, our mystery of the week. But it starts off with SpaceX again, John. This is interesting. We know what happened on this, on this launch of the big Starship rocket. You know, they had to blow it up, but they learned a lot. So here's the latest. The Starship 2, that's the booster that's on top of the, uh, on top of the booster, I should say, the rocket itself. They're going to make a new and improved one, 10 meters longer, more fuel and payload. This is the rocket that will get people to the moon and Mars. Less weight, because this is something made out of stainless steel, which is really incredible. And finally, it has new Raptor engines, giving it 20% more thrust. It'll have nine Raptor engines on that second stage, which is the spacecraft, instead of six. We all know that the big booster has 33. So, John, it's interesting to see what they're going to do because the reason for the larger size, they're going to have to refuel that big spacecraft, the big you know, upper stage, in space. So they got more room. So we wish them well, of course. I understood. I mean, uh, have they figured out what went wrong with that uh, previous rocket uh, that blew up, uh, what was it, Thanksgiving week? Yes, John. It was actually the 18th of November, and here's what they think they do know now. Obviously, the engines worked this time. The separation, they tried this thing called hot staging, where they fired up the engines on that second stage before the first stage burned out. But unfortunately, when they did that release, the big booster rocket was supposed to turn around and, believe it or not, come back and soft land back at the launch pad. Well, things didn't go right, so this time they had to push that destruct button. It's going to be a long learning curve for SpaceX. It's a very expensive learning curve. But I'm confident, just like many in the space industry, this will be the primo rocket system to get us off the planet and then move on to the different planets and, of course, going to the planet Mars. You know, there's something else have they figured in the news. Out, uh, have they figured out yet how they uh, resist the, uh, the radiation involved or where they say they, they, they haven't figured it out? At last discussion, they haven't figured it out. They haven't, John, and you're right. The, the problem is with humans on board or animals in space, how much radiation penetrates the hull of these spacecraft? So they really haven't figured that thing totally out. You know, in the 1960s, when we went to the moon with Apollo, many people said, no, we could never have gone to the moon because they would have died going through the Van Allen belts. Well, that wasn't true. Those spacecraft had shielding. But they haven't really perfected this yet. And, of course, this is something that has a big concern for long-duration space missions because guess what? If you and I were to go to Mars on a spacecraft now, it's going to take us nine months minimum to get there. It's a problem that they really need to solve. We'll report on that as we hear what's coming down the pike. But, John, the I second story I wanted to mention was this large sunspot group that's on the sun. Just this past week, a big M9 class flare. What's that? That's more than an average powerful flare. This weekend, sky looking into the sky in the northern sky, you may get to see the aurora borealis. 
But the concern is the big coronal mass ejection that comes out of this thing later. It travels at 1.8 million miles an hour from the sun. It takes hours and hours to get here. But what are we in right now? We're in the throes of the solar cycle 25, which, of course, may peak right around April. What's to say about that? Very interesting. That's very interesting. But we all talk about the mystery of the week, John. This is interesting, too. How did the ancients predict eclipses? Now, this is bizarre because we have the big total eclipse coming up in April. But let's go back into the history briefly. The original predictions of eclipses were done by the ancient Babylonians. And they found out that there's a cycle, which we use today, called Seros. That's about 18 years, 11.3 days to be exact. Eclipses repeat in a series like this. But, John, this is amazing. They had no computers. And what did they do? They marked down their information on clay tablets. But the Greeks, of course, get it even better. They themselves developed a device called the Antikythera mechanism. Hard to pronounce. What is it? It's a small computer with wheels and dials and numbers. And they, above any group in the world, had the lead on science with this thing like you'd hold in your hand and turn the different dials with numbers. My goodness, John, isn't that amazing how they could figure out eclipses? And today, with our modern computers, it's a cinch to do it. But this is something I've seen, totally I've seen. Time. Uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Steve, I, I've seen that uh, uh, it mm-hmm. was brought to uh, the museum in New York uh, yes. on loan, and mm-hmm. it, it's amazing that it's 2,000 years old or whatever, or, or even older, how, yes. how they, they did it. I mean, uh, you would think, you would think that uh, 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 something like that Somebody had to help them. Somebody of more knowledge. I would imagine. Yeah, it's amazing, John. It's almost unbelievable because even then, they didn't have, I mean, they knew about the stars. They obviously knew about geometry, sacred geometry, too. But you're so right. How the heck did they predict this? And they found this under the Mediterranean Sea, you know, encased in all kinds of, you know, debris over the course of thousands of years. But some astronomer actually did one of these. He actually reproduced one. And even he was looking at this going, this is just unearthly, otherworldly, that they've been able to figure out eclipses. Because nowadays, John, we have eclipses right down to the second. We know exactly where they're going to occur. Kudos to both the Babylonians and the ancient Greeks for trying to go out there and doing it successfully, going where no humans have ever gone before at that time to predict these amazing events. This is quite amazing. Well, Steve Cates, Dr. Sky, thank you very much. Uh, uh, all Americans are looking forward to you, listening to you every Sunday morning to, to see what's up. You know, what's up? Well, John, it's a high honor. Happy holidays. And always check us out at WABCRadio.com for the latest information on all these realms, including American exceptionalism at the Dr. Sky Experience. Happy holidays to you and your family, John.